Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, the Drunken Dows are in full celebration as the mighty Savannah M takes care of business in quick order during her first one championship bout. It was great, but that's not all. We'll also discuss the vile folks that always seem to be just joking. Golden dildos of the Bible, and what kind of karmic crime must you have committed to find yourself being bitch slapped by a seal with an octopus? We don't have the answer. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dallas Podcast begins now. And now, introducing her opponent out of the red corner. She is a mixed martial artist, standing at 164 centimeters tall, training out of fight science MMA, representing Cambodia. Give it up for Sovanari. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode, exciting episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast, episode 147. It's 48 hours after Savannah's fight. Yep. And uh, it went it went really well. Yeah, man. The funny thing about this fight is that I was pretty much dying while watching. It was in the middle of the night in LA because, you know, come it's uh, it was in the fight was taking place in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So the time difference is such that when over there was like 6.30 in the evening, it was 2.30 in the morning here. So Isn't was, that crazy? They're finishing the day up and we're not even into the day. Exactly. Yet. It was just barely starting. So I'm wired. My eyes are like wide open. I'm freaking out. Like I, I have a hard time breathing while sitting in the chair, right? <laughs> I spoke to Savannah afterwards and her comment was, you know, when I was walking up and walking up to the cage... It's like I didn't even have a pulse. Like my heart didn't go up one beat through the whole thing. It was just all fun and pleasant and I was happy and that was it. And she, I'm just like She certainly looked relaxed rolling into the into the into the stadium. I mean, some people are just wired differently, you know, as like Well, she's definitely an original specimen anyway. I mean, this for the kindest, nicest person you ever meet. And she will beat the hell out of you if you uh require Yeah, I mean, when you look at the match, is brutal yeah it's insane it's like she you know the thinking was that because she's a good stand-up striker and a boxer she would keep it standing no she threw one superman punch did a double leg took her down got on top and started dropping elbows knees and punches until the ref stepped in to save this poor lady a minute and 21 in well, let's roll it just for fun let's roll it just for fun because it certainly was fun it's funny uh it was 2.30 our time, and I had been waiting, and I, I may have fallen asleep and woke up exactly in time. Yeah, you said when they were touching gloves. When they touched the glove was the first thing I saw on the app when I turned it on. It couldn't have been more perfect, but I was afraid I had missed it because it was like 2.44 when yep. I did this. But perfectly timed, 
And it was good because it sure didn't last long. Nope. Minute and 21 <laughs> seconds. And the thing is, this one was not the entry-level fight. This is on a big stage against somebody with 10 wins. Yeah. This lady has uh, five times as many wins as Savannah. She has way more experience. She's five inches taller. Uh, so that's all she ever tried right there. Yep. She tried a couple of punches, Savannah Duck, then Superman punch into double leg, and now she just murders from top control. This elbow here is the... That that had to leave a, an impression. Yeah, that must not feel good. Well, actually, you can see it in, in afterwards in the picture. Yeah, the knees are evil. In the picture at the end of the fight, you see... Her, this woman was marked up. Oh, yeah, her face was ringed by damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and he was nuts because her opponent came in weighing in 10 pounds heavier than the agreed upon weight just two days before. So then she had to cut a little weight, so she went down to like five pounds heavier. But still, she's five inches taller, she's five pounds heavier, she has way more experience than Savannah, she has a bunch of wins. Didn't help one bit. Didn't help one bit. Here comes, here comes the punches. Yep. Now she's almost got the back. She's sitting in full mount. She has that arm pin oh, right there. Boom, boom, boom. So what's the ref looking for at this point? It's just, she's not even reacting about here. It's like, she looks like she's toast. Yeah, and that's it. This, she's not getting up. Yeah, I think they are looking to make sure that the person is not defending themselves. If they are making even a token effort at defending themselves, then okay, we're talking. And that's when he came in close. Just but to... he took a look. He's like, no, nah, this woman is done. And so stepped in and stopped the fight. And there's a coach. What's that fellow's name? Uh, Justin Hamilton. He's awesome. Seems like the real he's, deal. Uh, yeah, he's done an insanely good work with her. It was actually kind of funny because just... Um, Two months ago, when he started taking in uh, her training on a more intense level, uh-huh. he was like, fighting December, I'm not so sure about it. Really? You know, she's too many holes in the game still. There are too many things that are not working. It's way sooner than I would like. And then just two weeks ago, after they trained like crazy for two months, he was like, holy shit, I did not think we would be here, but she's totally ready. Like, she jumped... Her skill level improved monstrously in just eight weeks. And so he was like, nope, she's ready. Turns out we're good. And um, I mean, it goes to to both of their credit. You know, he did an incredible job coaching and yeah. preparing her. And she did an incredible job executing. But that requires both of them. Doesn't he? he has to recognize what the skill sets are yeah. for his for his fighter and to dial in Absolutely. things that need improvement. And then she's got to do the work to make it happen. And uh, I think he's right here. Let me kick in the audio from the sure. original commentating. Is this the new the possible yeah, rising star? because yeah, <laughs> they were pretty impressed with the whole thing. So here they are showing the replay afterwards as soon as the fight is over. That's high praise, man. And this is no mess around. The production value was great. It looked great. The yeah. cameras were great. It was all really well done. I even liked the ring announcer. He was great. It's awesome. Oh, Thank you, Kuala Lumpur, for being so uh, welcoming. I appreciate the hospitality. 
So having fatties in this surreal space because she had like uh, Brandon Vera was a UFC fighter, one heavyweight champion, message there to congratulate her on how wow. great she did. Even funnier for Sav because she was a huge fan of the band uh, Tool. Yeah. Uh, Maynard from Tool uh, message there on Instagram saying, uh, oh man, I'm touring Europe. I can't find a place to stream it. Where can I see it? And then he was like, oh, I found it. I found it. We're good. <laughs> you know, so she was like, Maynard is watching my fights. Like she was super she happy. She might have know? some new uh, walk-in music before yeah, you know it. She was super happy. So, well, and I the, was so excited, man. I know I had mentioned in the past it was hard to watch women fight. I had no problem with this. Well, as long when, as when she's the team. one on top exactly. winning, it's a little harder when <laughs> it's, it's the other easier. way around. Yeah, I know. I don't even know how to react to that. But. I mean, that's the evil thing about the game that it's uh, not only one person win, one person lose. Well, that's all sports. Sure. Is one person win, one person get trash sometime and that's when you are the one person getting trash that's never particularly fun or where you're friends with somebody who's getting trash is not particularly fun so that's just the nature of the game you know not much you can do about which is why i was like <gasps> while watching because i was like oh man what if it goes wrong what if you know so the tension level was to give an idea of how hyped up i was so right after that, I stay up. Uh, finally, it's like five in the morning. I'm like, I probably should go to sleep now. Yeah. Of course, the damn dog, Azog the Defiler, <laughs> decide, hey, you guys have been up all this time. It must be morning. I need to pee. Let's go. And he start whining and running up the stairs. And I'm like, come on, man. Can't you let me? No, the no, dog doesn't want work that way at all. So I came down. You get your couch defiled like that i was literally my underwear and t-shirt and i went to take him for a walk in my underwear and t-shirt outside at five in the morning granted it's a lace not uh, you know minus 30 degrees but it's still pretty chilly at night <laughs> and i wasn't feeling a thing i was like so hyped on energy that i wasn't even feeling tiny bit of cold i was just eh, this is all where do you think it comes from here does it's i mean the coach seems like the one yeah, no, this is working great. Um, I mean, let's see. wouldn't want to tinker. I mean, it's impossible to know. I totally yeah. understand. But it just seems like if this is working this well, you I, wouldn't want to mess that up, I wouldn't think. I love this company that she's fighting for. You know, one, uh, one championship is awesome. I like them a lot in multiple ways. For one, because she gets to travel. Because all of this is all over Asia. So she's not fighting in Kansas City. No offense to people from Kansas City, but you get what I mean. It's like not exactly the most glamorous tourist destination here she gets to fly across the world see places that otherwise she would never get to see so yeah. she's super excited well in the country of cambodia can't be too upset she could really be a star of southeast super, asia before you know it they are super happy the people were awesome the cambodian press was awesome oh. the even in malaysia everybody was super nice to her. i mean you see when she walked in there are everybody with humongous smiles giving her high fives and stuff so it's great for her. And, and I think that's also for one championship what they are looking for is like, hey, this is somebody who look like our audience. So it helps. Big time. It helps a lot. And so that's why people are like, oh, so she's going to go to UFC or Bellator. It's like, probably not. You know, it's like if things keep working well with one, there's really no point to fight anywhere else. Uh, this is perfect. This is as good as it gets. So uh, before they run out, are there Savage Buddha's T-shirts available to... Uh... Yeah, she's doing... Uh, it's funny, though. Okay, that's one thing about one that they are very... 
it's weird. It's like I've seen way more concern about uh, correctness in uh, MMA organization than I've ever seen in college, which is kind of funny considering what you normally hear about college campuses and yeah. stuff. They were like, Savage Buddha, we're going to heavily Buddhist countries. Some people may not like it. Uh, how about your sweet savage? And they're like, okay, fine. She had um, a rush guard, a Tomoe Gods and rush guard. They were like, yeah, redo it without a severed head in there. And we are cool. You can wear it. Uh, you know no, what? That's still going to no, be cool like that. It's, it's an awesome rush guard regardless. The colors are beautiful. The whole thing is awesome. But, you know, we found out a week before there was yeah. no time to get it done. So she'll have it for the next one. But uh, so, you know, she has to tweak a little bit because I think and that's one of the things that I actually appreciate about one championship is that they are big on uh, they want their fighters to be sort of positive role models so they are zero tolerance for trash talk or zero tolerance for all the stuff that sells in us they yeah. are not uh, trying to sell it as a blood sport they are trying to sell it as people who people who work really hard climb themselves out of some shitty spot and uh, and become decent human beings that's sort of more where they are going with the image of the company which fits for Savannah because she's never going to trash talk. You know, it's like, I mean, you see this fight. It's hilarious. She wins the fight. Mm -hmm. She looks like she's going grocery shopping, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like she doesn't celebrate. She just finished. She's just has a smile and she's happy, but she's not jumping up and down. No climbing. She's just all mellow and she's mellow walking in. She's mellow walking out. But she gets to have a cheeseburger. Yes. That, to be that part list. she's going to be quite happy with. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, man, it's kind of freaky to see how somebody can turn it on and off like that. Because literally, it's so hard to try to fight with her in real life, right? She's always so sweet, super nice. I mean, in some way, it sounds very... Like, it's not rocket science. It's you're nice to people who are nice to you, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. except that in real life, in real day-to-day -day life, it's hard because you got moods and you screw up and things happen and whatever the hell... And instead here, what we get is she does exactly, you know, that ideal picture. She pulls it off in daily life. She's pretty much never upset. I'm way moodier than she is. And so you're like, okay, this person is just a big sweetie and that's it. And then she gets in a cage and you see what happens. And you're like, whoa, what is that about? She's taking care of business. Yep. And then the second it's over, she's like, la, la, la. Everything is mellow and nice again. So we click it up a notch now. Yeah, that was intense. It was very exciting. Well, congratulations, Savannah. We are beyond proud and way to go, girl. Indeed. Kisilova, very impressive debut. And it looks like the women's division, Michael, might have a new star. So big thank you to the trifecta of the sweet people who sponsor us. Onni to incidentally sponsor Savannah for this fight, and she walked out, in fact, with an Onni uh, hoodie. Nice. Um, that was pretty sweet. Uh, the sweet folks at DS Gear, that's Usara, and Short Design T-shirt, who also sponsor Savannah for this fight. So that was quite nice. You guys know the drill, especially now, you know, you may be running late on Christmas gift, you want to get something, check out the, even if you never buy anything, the least you can do that would be sweet and nice would be check out the websites of these companies see if there's anything that either you could use 
or anybody you know could use and can turn into a present helps them which helps us you guys get something cool everybody's happy so the greatest hemp gear you know bags uh, computer bags martial arts uniform at dsgear.com a whole array of wonderful product at on it from supplements special foods so workout gear bunch of other stuff and the coolest t-shirts on the planet with short design t-shirts that all seems completely accurate yeah I was just going to mention real quick, with Christmas getting close for that bratty nephew or niece, Kivu.org, you can get Kivu cards, put $25 on them, they can participate in giving a loan to somebody, teach a lesson to a bratty child. That would be one approach to do it. You know, it's $111,000 our, our listeners have I know. donated. know, awesome. Not donated, but loaned out. Yeah, yeah, loaned out. No, that's awesome. That's absolutely brilliant. Keep it up, gang. Um, Amazon, if you guys are doing Christmas shopping, or if you're doing any kind of shopping ever on yeah. Amazon, please use our link. It's very much appreciated. And a shout out to never, couple of shout outs. One to nevertapgear.com that makes Savannah awesome rash guards, the ones that she couldn't wear in this fight. Soon to be censored for next time. Yes. I mean, the one that goes to sale for the public is not going to be censored, but the the one that she'll wear is going to be the less severed head part. Still, it's an awesome image. Yeah. Its colors are amazing. And uh, and big shout out to studio.com. Uh, these folks sent us some brilliant earphones. So if you guys are in the market for earbuds or anything like that, studio is spelled S-U-D-I-O.com. Again, S-U-D-I-O.com. Discount code Taoist with a T, T-A-O-I-S-T, give you a 15% discount or on any of their stuff. So that would be awesome. Uh, with that in mind, I think we can jump into the episode. I hear a nasty rumor that we're returning to the Bible for the first time in a while. So, Savannah fight, Bible story, that's more than people deserve. Life is good. Here we go. Yes. To help deconstruct the Bible and just in time. You don't know how fortuitous this is. Do you know where I found myself less than a week ago? Please do tell. Somewhere between Cincinnati and Lexington. Yes. Lies the full-size recreation of the Ark. Oh, nice. We were warned by the parking attendant that if we weren't going to take this seriously, we would be invited out. And at $65 a head, the chance of me even making it 20 feet into this fucking thing before... So we didn't go in. But by God, there it is. They pay $65 per person. I do believe that is what it is. They are doing very well. Well, I mean, it's all in the name of hard science, so it's clearly <laughs> worth it. Cause... And I'm sure they, um, they right got a check. So wow. if he wants to cash it, it won't be a problem. Wow, wow, wow. It was wow. mind-blowing, and it was really kind of creepy to be around. Because, you, you know, sure. the um, blinded by faith folks were all about you. Yike. 
And it didn't look like the friendliest lot. I no. figured a giant bunch of Christians. Sure. Would be the... As I just saw on the internet today. Yep. I don't need to have more Christ in Christmas. I have. I need to have more Christ in Christians. That would be correct. Ask our friends in the border about all that. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, we've said it before, but I can really got nothing against any particular religion, believe whatever the hell you want. It's how you behave that make a difference at the end of the day. Exactly. So if your Christianity makes you a better and sweeter human being, I'm all for it. Maybe I won't share the same beliefs, but who cares? It's, you know, you can be a nice human. I'll be a nice human back to you. Good. Everybody and, wins. And I don't seem to ever get in too much trouble making fun of the art at the LACMA. You know, right. you're, you're willing to put it out be. there. I, I should be able to, you know, have my opinion on it, but, uh, Apparently, the opinions aren't invited onto the Ark. They were left on the side with the dinosaurs. Yeah, there wasn't space. You know, if you have two of every animal inside the Ark, there's not that much space. You know, those... It's very crowded. Yeah, totally. And it looks pretty sorry, too. It's not like animatronics or anything. It's just kind of like frozen, right. bad statuary. And um, none of the smell of the dung in the bottom of it, either. I think that was... In- yeah, that so I don't think they captured it. I don't know I didn't go. Maybe one day I'll be invited in. And uh, I'll keep an open mind for at least 20 minutes. Oh, anyway, man. Bible stories back. Yes. Where are we going today? Is it Old Testament or New Testament? Old. Uh, there's still some. That's we have mined that to death, but there's still some good stuff. Here we go. All right, I got my Bible. Here we go to the book of Ezekiel. Ah. Now, book of Ezekiel is. That's the UFO one. Yeah, it gets really damn weird. Okay, it's like that's where, you know, Ezekiel is this uh, visionary guy who may have been taking some mushrooms growing somewhere where he shouldn't have because the stuff he's seeing is interesting. Tell you what a hypocrite he will do. He'll talk about me and he'll talk about you. Way in the middle of the year. That was the end of his psychedelic experiences, just seeing, talking to God. That would be totally fine. The problem is that the God that he sees in his psychedelic experiences is not a particularly cheerful guy. Guess what? He's angry as hell, what? as usual. Is uh, And primarily the theme that keeps showing up is how all of the nation of Israel, all these Jewish people that I chose as my chosen people are not faithful. They worship other gods. They are doing all this stuff. So don't like it, don't like it, don't like it. I'm really mad about it, which is kind of the ongoing theme of a lot of those things. It's like many of them present God as like a jealous husband who has been betrayed by his wife, in this case, the Jewish people. And only some of the prophets are trying to bring back Jerusalem and the rest of the people on the correct narrow path. And what to do, what to do, I believe, is where we're at. Well, let's start speaking of what to do. There's something about, you tell me what you read into it. What I read is uh, some of the locals decide to grab some jewelry and turn them into dildos, because that's what I've read. Uh, Ezekiel sixteen seventeen. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you, the jewelry made of my gold and silver, and you made for yourself male idols and engage in prostitution with them. Yep, I think you got that nailed. We got dildos going on, right? 
Golden dildos, by the way. That sounds like the best material. No, but you know, it's also 2,500, 3,000 years ago, whatever long it is. Yeah. You do what you can, it right? It seems like it might be cold. I'm sure it is, but still. And bumpy, especially if there's a bunch of jewels on there. I don't know. Perhaps dialed in properly. They, you know, lots of practice to get something worked out. But okay. So, so we, God is mad because of the golden dildos. But it gets better. So this is where the conversation is talking about Jerusalem, referring to Jerusalem as a she in kind of, again, with this idea of the unfaithful wife. But in this one passage from Ezekiel, he goes, when she, meaning Jerusalem, carried on her whoring so openly and flaunted her nakedness, I turned in disgust from her, as I turned in disgust from her sister. I forgot what the sister is about. Yet she increased their whoring, remembering the days of her youth, when she played the whore in the land of Egypt and lasted after her lovers there. This is the kicker. Are you ready? I still haven't really processed the first part. Hold on. So we got lasting after her lovers there, whose members were like those of donkeys, and whose issue was like that of horses. Does you long for the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians handled your breast and pressed them? But Lily, I gotta tell you, <laughs> if you're gonna be doing the Bible, there's one thing to be doing jerk off machines and black cum wads, but talking about donkey dicks and giant gallons of horse cum is really crossing the line there, and you're going to fucking show up with this. Disgusting. Where was the material come from? The Bible? Are you telling me the Bible talks about donkey dicks and horse cum by the gallons? Uh, sadly, yes. In the great book of Ezekiel. Uh, I'll give you some other... I'm so shocked I'm channeling Duncan. <laughs> I know, I can tell. Some of the, some of the other translation, because of course... Why the, wasn't this the first one? This the, is... I don't. This is glorious, right? The King James translation does everything possible to confuse the language to make it not possible to understand. But check out a couple of them. Like in one of them from the New International Version, another one from the New American Standard Bible. There are a couple from... One, it's one that we just went over, but in the other translation it reads, There she lasted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys. And with a mission was like that of horses. Ambition. I know, brilliant. And another one on Ezekiel 16.25, you spread your legs to every, to every passerby to multiply your harlotry. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's get the scrolls out. I want to know what that said. That had to be really awesome when they were not trying to hide. This is the carefully hide. I don't know, King James... They weren't printing Bibles quite yet, were they? So they were yeah, still at a point is, uh, where uh, maybe we won't read. No, I mean, it's words. there, but they use language that's like you're trying to figure out what. It's just a confusing passage in the King James one where it's like, I kind of get that there's some jealousy and madness and something sexual, but the language is so crappy that you can't figure it out. That's really angry. Yeah, it gets better. So because after this, God tells us how he punished the adulterous woman is by having her lovers torn against her so that her nose and ears were cut off Hmm. and her breasts were ripped off. After this, after being raped and mutilated, she's stoned to death. Because, you know, you need some torture porn in the Bible in order. Otherwise, you know, we we haven't quite checked all the box mark right. 
That's some handmade shit right there. Tell me about it, man. Did you see season two of that? I did not. I've been staying away because there's enough depressing shit in life. There's been enough time, but this is literally... Season two starts minutes after season one when they turn and they don't stone the girl. Okay. So they go into the wrecked Boston baseball stadium and hang all of them. Jesus. Okay, on that note. That's how old school and crazy this shit is. Yep. Actually, it's just a trick. They hang them, but it's just, they just drop a little bit. Really? But they don't know that. Okay. That is like really, first scene, I haven't spoiled too much, but the nastiness is this level. Yeah, it is this, right? And it's just like... Why is everybody so goddamn mad? It's like, well, because there's i mean when you start commenting about the big size of your wife's lovers it's probably because you got some problems in that department so you know what would fix that yeah bluetooth yes (laughs) i'm glad you have been paying attention yes you learned the proper lesson what we have been trying to teach you at church forever and ever now you got it it's all about bluetooth could have fixed if things weren't these these uptight assholes yeah it's like those guys have uh horses dicks and so we are i'm gonna have to cut off your nose ears breast uh have you raped and murdered because that's what a good husband does it's like i mean we like to play tongue-in-cheek with some of this stuff but this is disgusting you know, some of some other stuff we can be like, oh, isn't that crazy? Ha ha kind of thing. Smiting a fig tree is one thing. And this, this is, is sort of how we started. Level. But then when you get to this part, it's just like, come on, man. This is just straight up gross. Is uh, This is, uh, you know, this is the good book. This that is they where... believe every page of it, chapter and verse. Yeah. yeah. How do you defend that? Yeah. I would love to hear it because these sort is... of explains a lot when you think about it. Why well, you know yeah. they're supposed to really build these giant mega church? Oh, mega churches! It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's only some mega churches in Kentucky. Mind blowing, mind blowing. They look like arenas. Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the center of the land. Ezekiel saw the wheel rise up to the sky. Yeah, if you want to get into it, even there's like. A Wikipedia page dedicated to Ezekiel 23, which is where not all of it, but the bulk of some of these quotes come from. Like the whole thing is basically a story of Israel and Judah as the two Jewish kingdoms, as sisters married to God, and that before they existed as sisters married to God, they were in the land of Egypt, they were worshipping other gods, and it was terrible, but then they go back to these after God has chosen them and they are... And so because of that, God is going to cause all sorts of punishments for them by allowing Babylonian soldiers to come in, uh, violate the city, take the kids, burn the people, all of this kind of stuff, right? And all of this stuff, because it's not gross enough to tell the story as it is, is portrayed in uh, a sexual violence kind of metaphor. So there's uh, rape involved and torture and everything, and that's the proper punishment because you're not listening to God's words. 
Well, that'll straighten them out. Yeah, man. It's, um, yeah, it gets a little intense. So, yeah, if you want to see, you know, if you want to have a nice conversation with your religious uncle, ask about Ezekiel 23 and let's chat a little about the subtle meanings of this stuff. And Let's put more golden donkey dick dildos back into Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> that should be. I, I can see great decorations hanging from the trees there right there. Be at least. Yes. With dripping but, emissions. Yeah. That's um, so, you know, when uh, we lack morality because we don't read the Bible, sadly, I do read the Bible. This is what I got. Donkey nuts roasting on an open fire. Gallons of horse ejaculate spraying all around. Well, Ezekiel saw the wheel rolling way up in the middle of the air. Ezekiel saw the wheel rolling way in the middle of the air. It's beautiful. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ukrainian plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time once again. You know, uh, I've started a new project. And with the countdown to beginning, I always have crazy dreams of impossible calendars being stacked with more projects and then the phone rings and why isn't this ready? Yeah, and of course. Just seem to be plagued with those. And they've been really intense last week as it got close to day one of this thing, which, yeah. you know, it's 12 to 16 weeks and done. Deadlines. I already and... feel like I'm behind. I haven't right. started yet because of these crazy dreams. Do you ever encounter anything like that when uh, there's a big deadline coming oh, yeah. up to there's uh well of course those are the classic anxiety dream it's sort of the equivalent of dreaming that you haven't how long have i not been studying them it's the final exam in high school and you're oh, like yeah. you have it 20 years later and it's so yeah it's kind of that sense of i'm not ready That's for it funny I, I remember one i woke up from it i'd been out of college for 10 years and for some reason my my high school diploma was being revoked because i didn't pass some tests and it was like yeah. so real yep Absolutely. It's amazing how your brain messes with you. I had those dreams. I mean, I think most people do if you they torture you with studying long enough. But yeah, I had those dreams so many times. It's funny. I don't know if it's my, my, my aphantasia, my lack of visualization right. in the daytime. But when the dreams go, they are in technicolor. And one of my, what I always remember was for some reason, with some, I can't even really dial in what the competition was. It was more like put a play on or mm -hmm. something. But it was Terry Gilliam and his crew were up before me, you know, Time Bandits and those sort right. of things. And there were a thousand people on the stage and there were giant tapestries, yeah. four stories tall coming down. And it was just this incredible thing. And I didn't even have the script ready for when we were next. Of course, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah, that's that uh, performance anxiety. I'm not ready yeah. for it. Yeah, those are, they suck. Or everybody's scattered and you can't get them organized or you get these fools in order and you turn around. It's like herding cats. Well, we established that I have over time mostly moved away from those dreams, which is good. And what are my dreams for the last quite a few years? Usually somebody getting cut. Yes, that is the case. <laughs> Guess what it is this time? Somebody getting yes, cut. Pretty much. <laughs> so I had this dream that there was this um, kind of 
crime family. It looked like, uh, you know, one of those mafia things where there's like the uncle and the father and the son. They're all part of the same, you know, it's a family thing, but it's a crime thing. Well, they happen to kidnap Savannah. That kind of pissed me off to start. Now, they're being very friendly about it. They're like, it's just about the money. So it's just, Get the you money know, and there won't be any problems. Yeah, we'll treat her nice, everything is great. But one <laughs> thing that bothers me is that after we start this semi-friendly initial discussion, they start changing the terms and they ask for more. When it looks like I'm going to come up with, it's like, so I decide, okay, guys, this is, you suck on multiple levels. So I end up kidnapping the son of the family. He's like an adult. He's in his 20s or something. But he's like, so I kidnap him. Turn about like, fair play. Okay. And, and then when they're like, okay, 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 we got it. You are playing it a little different from the usual. We'll, so we'll do an exchange. And I'm like, nope, we won't do an exchange because you guys started it. And by now you have proven that you can be trusted because you changed the terms halfway through. So I'm not the one who initiated this process. And why would I keep your son anyway? So you have to release her first, then I'll release him. Because by now I don't trust you guys no more. We're not playing it evenly no more. Is this a script yet? Uh, I know it should be. So, <laughs> so they decide to like, okay, fine, they release her. And then afterwards, the father of this crime family come by to get his son. And by that point, I think, you know what? I don't think I can trust you guys. I don't think that I can trust the fact that now we're going to be cool once uh, I release him and that you guys will forget about it and will be like, okay, one kidnap even, shake hands, go away. I could, but I don't know that you will. And considering that you are the one who started all this shit and changed in shady way, turns halfway through. Lesson time. So father and son go to meet their makers and I kill them both. Yes, these are my dreams. Wow. And how realistic? Does it slow down? Does the cool music come in? And no cool music. It's not cinema-like. It's just very not taking care of business. real. Uh, there's a very vivid vibe to it all. Where it's like, it's not personal, it's business. Wow. You know? Yeah, so that's, I mean, we have established that I'm a psycho. We have established that there are issues there. But yeah, it, it shows up in different ways each time. But nonetheless, that's the reality of what happens. Wow, I have to sharpen my dream. Isabella moment, boom, boom, boom. Yes, indeed. Let's start playing. Uh, I had an interesting conversation with his. Uh, actually, went over a couple of days. So there were two or three conversations related to one another that fed into each other. One, we're going to start with the art of fighting without fighting. Good old Bruce Lee talking about how you get stuff done without necessarily having to get into a conflictual relationship. It was having fun because she was looking at, uh, I think, some Facebook messages that I exchanged with somebody, um, friend of mine. And, and this was saying, wait, this person was really mad at you 
and suddenly two messages later they love you and you are their best friend how the hell did you do it because it's like let me read the words again what just changed there that you're and part of it is what i want the thing i was telling her was if somebody attack you the normal real uh, reaction that everybody has is to get defensive of course and you push back so of course that's also the thing that never works because it works if you want to have a fight it doesn't work for any other reason you know if you push me you insult me you do something and i respond in kind we escalate and then maybe i get the last punch kind of thing but whether it's physical or verbal doesn't matter the dynamics are the same the one odd that you have of playing art of fighting without fighting is no responding kind is to have a choice where you're actually you don't play defensive and you listen to what they have to say and you try to address what they are saying you know whether there's any merit in it kind of trying to acknowledge that at least there's a, they are not crazy for saying something that there's maybe a reason why they feel that way that's so hard to do it's super hard right <laughs> but it's uh i think i had lots of experience because Prior to Savannah, all my relationships were with very intense women who were ready to blow up at any second and be very angry. And be, and if I responded in kind every time, it would have been dead fights from day one and by day three, somebody's dead. And so the only way I got a lot of practice in that department of not being responding in a defensive way and trying to listen and trying to redirect the conversation. And so it's was like, okay, I get it. And I see what you did here. You know, you see how you responded and suddenly this person, their aggression dropped by 50% in the next message and by 50 more in the third and by the fourth message, they love you. And it's like, okay, that I can see how it's effective. And you turn up seeing with somebody who's not a bad person, who's a friend, could have been the end of drama or never ending bullshit from here on. And instead you turn it in a situation where all the drama is resolved, everybody walk away happy. So he's well, like, I do get it. You know, this is an ideal approach. But <laughs> um, she was saying, I get, she didn't say intellectually, but that was basically the meaning is like, intellectually, I get it. But if once people practice, get aggressive to, to me, when yeah. people get a little edgy with me in a way that's not justified, I will just tell them to fuck off because that's my nature. You know, it's like my nature is not going to be... And so I kind of let it go at the moment. And then the next day we started, we are, I don't remember how the famous scorpion and the frog story came into our picture. Do you remember the scorpion and the frog? There's even like a, in the Norson Wells movie, they have the scorpion and the frog, but this is a classic tale. The, the scorpion and the frog was something like this. Scorpion approaches frog. By the way, they are talking animals because every good story is feature talking animals. Yeah. So. Scorpion approaches frog and say, hey, I would like to get to the other side of the river. Can you give me a ride? You're going to sting me. Frog is like, yeah, fuck that. You're going to sting me. That's not going to happen because I'm not stupid. You're a scorpion. You sting. Uh, and the scorpion is like, but come on, think about it. This is totally logical. Why would I sting you? If I sting you, we I'm go down drown. in the middle of the river. I drown. You die. Everybody loses. That would be completely logical. Frog is perfectly convinced. He's like, okay, I see your point. Oh, frog. You got something going here. You're yeah, right. It is very right. logical. So hop on. Scorpion hops on. They start crossing halfway through the river. Ow, pain in the back. Clearly the scorpion is stung. And the frog is like, why the hell did you do it? Now I'm going to die and you're going to die too. This is so stupid. Why would you? And the scorpion is like, yeah, I know. I'm 
it's unfortunate, but that's just my nature. I'm a scorpion. And off they go browning. And I think that's when I was like, oh, oh is, is, is. Let's go back in light of this story. Let's go back to it's my nature comment. You know, it's like, oh, you know, I understand that it would be better, but it's my nature. To me, it's my nature is an excuse to avoid self-improvement. It's an excuse to avoid putting in the hard work. A lot of time it's a cop-out. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have natural instincts. Of course you do. You have a personality. Somebody else has a different one. Somebody's more conflictual. Somebody's more able to accommodate. You know, there are natural tendencies. I get it. But natural tendencies are different from being absolutely ruled by your nature. You know, it's like there's a difference between having a natural tendency and being a slave to your nature. Because one is inevitable, it's life. The other one is you're being lazy by not working on your nature, by not deciding to have a choice on how you want to respond. You're just going to go in with the program that has been downloaded in you, part by your genes, part by your education, part by whatever, to the point where you call it your nature. To me, and so I, was, I wasn't letting her out of it. I was like, is... This is a, this is some cop out bullshit. This is uh, this is you saying I'm a slave to my nature. There's nothing I can do. If people push a button, I'm gonna respond accordingly. I have no choice in how I respond. I'm a little puppet who gets to be manipulated by external stimuli. So I guess there's no free will after all. Well, and that was my point. Is like whereas this way you actually have a choice. Now you can still. If it's worth it, you can still respond according to your initial instinct. You want to punch them in the face, punch them in the face. But think about it first. Think about whether the satisfaction you derive from punching them in the face is worth all the, all the drama that that may entail, or if there's a better result that you can obtain that way, you know? Because that's what it's about. And also when I say, you know, working on your nature, let's be real about it. I have no illusions that if you are a certain way, you can turn yourself around 100% and you are this different person. It's not going to happen. You know, there's realistically with a lot of work, maybe you change 20%. Still a lot. A 20% whole lot. is a whole bunch. Like I was thinking about it because actually we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about Savannah's fight and... Um, December 7th, everybody. Right, yeah. By the time we release this, I think it's past the event, so we may have, Actually, uh, I think this one goes right before because we got... Oh, no. No, no, we got... So we this got one Kyle. is going to be after the event, so we... What, we a, have, what a fight! <laughs> yeah, we'll have no idea what happened when we record right now because it's happening before, but one of the things we were talking about is like Savannah tend to be so much calmer than me. I'm never going to be like her, right? I'm always going to be more nervous, more ready to worry about stuff, more edgier, you know, all these things. But it would be bullshit for me to say, oh, well, I'm not like her. When in reality, if I could change 20% and be 20% more like her and learn 20% of her calm, 20% of her ability to handle stuff, man, that would be a huge improvement in the way I am. Can you imagine having those powers? I would... How you could it. disarm people with your gentle ways and your would, calm demeanor. It's awesome. And again, I'm not that person, but if I can learn even 10% of that, that would be awesome. That would make me a better human being ultimately. So to me, all this talk about nature, 
is bullshit, you know, in the sense that it's not bullshit because it's not real, but it's bullshit because it's like raising a white flag and like essentially saying I'm a robot who's going to go through life based on this program that has been downloaded in my brain rather than actually having a choice of how I want to live my life. We've stepped above our instinct a tiny bit. Yeah, you want to have uh, sometimes. And again, sometimes the instincts are great. I'm not saying take 10 seconds to think it through, then decide whether you want to go with your instincts or not, you know, rather than automatically reacting. Now, what's the downside of this? It takes a lot of fucking time and energy. Hell yeah. Right? Because it's like when people push your buttons, that itch that you want to scratch of like yelling back and saying, screw you, you are the worst person in the world. Is So every time you don't do it, it takes energy. Perhaps this is why flame wars are being presented to us, so we can train ourselves to calm down a little bit. Right. Of... Not to react in a defensive way all the time. But still, when someone calls you a racist because you said it's the white guy shooting up Thousand Oaks this time, yep. that's not racism. Here's a list. Well, and that's the thing. Sometimes you like, can't help it. And the it thing just is... just comes blurt out. And maybe you choose it. It's like, I can't do this with everyone. No. I don't have the patience and the mental fortitude to be like this with everyone. Yeah. So I'm going to choose my situation. You know, there will be the time where I'm just going to let it all out and be as reactive as I want to be and defensive and all of that. I have recently learned the great joy of blocking people on Facebook or social media where it's like, I don't need to go through 72,000 messages where nobody's going to change anything. It's like, so I get it, you know, there is a, but for certain interactions, if the interaction can, you know, some in, I think most interactions can turn out okay. The problem is in order for those interactions to turn out okay, you have to invest uh, in some cases this enormous amount of time and energy more than I'm willing to put into it. So sometime it's like, no, fuck it. Is uh, Yeah, we could eventually get along if I was willing to whip myself for three days and do all this work. I don't feel like it not going to happen because ultimately it's not worth it. Whereas with other people or other situations, it's like, you know what? This is worth it. Just do the work, make it happen, shut up and take care of it, you know? So, I don't know. It was an interesting uh, educational conversation with this because... Uh, I'm not sure who learned more in this interaction. Oh, it was... As usual with these, I tend to... I got a lot out of them. But uh, it was interesting this time because it was a case where... Speaking of defensiveness, she did not react defensively to this. She didn't go like, oh, shit, you caught me. Because essentially you put me in a situation where I have to either admit that I'm a slave to my nature and I'm being a wimp about it or actually follow your your advice. She wasn't too, she's like, oh, okay, you know, I'll, th I'll think about it. It's, it sounds good. I don't know how I'm going to do about implementing it, but. It sounds like a possibility. There was at least a seed planted in there. I uh, I always find myself a little more Grace Jones. I'm a slave to the rhythm. <laughs> That's better than being... <laughs> there, speaking of slave to the rhythm, there's a great story that I want to explore at some point. I have to read this. There was a, there was a great story from the 1500s uh, where what was known as the Dancing Plague where people started, uh, there was this thing where like everybody in the village would start compulsively dancing and some people even died of heart attacks because they would not stop. There are all sorts of theory of why it happened from like 
uh, fungus on the grain that they were using, causing wild hallucination to all sorts of stuff. But, but uh, speaking of slave to the rhythm, the dancing plague. Sounds is, like uh, that drag show. Yeah, I, I want to go, I want to research this one. This may be a future story. <laughs> time and we're full of rants let's start with the greatest video ever i saw this this is when you know that internet has fulfilled its purpose and yep. everything is as it's supposed to be it's only about two weeks old i think it's not been yeah. around for that long it's a quick video just a few seconds long yeah and we see some guy on a kayak just doing his happy thing in the ocean kayaking along and some seal must have seen the guy and clearly must have not been happy with what they see. Maybe the guy did something to the seal in a past lives. Maybe they were... He, perhaps he's a demon. Maybe something, right? But the seal reaction to seeing this dude in a kayak is to decide, wait, 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 before this guy leave, I'm going to dive deep. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grab an octopus and use him to bitch slap this guy in the face. So you see the seal popping out of the water and using the octopus to whack right in the guy's face. Now, let's look at this again. I understand the seal attacking a kayak. Weird, unusual, but it can happen. A bump, an angry, you know, freak you out what's down under the sea for sure. But I was fishing recently and we had a seal that followed us everywhere we went out on the Channel Islands. And you know what he liked to do? As you got a big one and started reeling him in, when it got to the boat, you had nothing but a head left. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's very that, seal-esque. We're in his area. He that makes sense. That makes complete sense. What did this man do? Well, the man just looked a little shocked. No, and, to deserve uh, this. Oh, of course, yes. It's like, yeah, you got to wonder about what's going on. Because, I mean, what prompts a seal not just to, you know, eat a fish from you? Yeah, that's what a seal does. Yeah, or even come up and smack you with a flipper. That's weird, but yes. No, it's not enough. I'm going to dive, look for an octopus, grab him, because that gives me extra reach. And plus, the weird tentacle thing is perfect. You know, manage to find an octopus that has not been captured by the Japanese to create some tentacle porn. So it's resourceful. And then pops out and use it to bitch slap this guy. Now, I picture this from the point of view. I understand from the point of view of the guy. I understand even from the point of view of the seal with some stretching. <laughs> I'm particularly fascinated with the point of view of the octopus. Who are pretty intelligent. So he had to wonder what in the hell. Yeah, who's minding his business, swimming in the ocean, doing his thing. A seal certainly arrive, say, sorry, Mr. Octopus, but I really want to bitch slap that asshole on the kayak and I need your cooperation. The poor octopus doesn't even get to say, yes, maybe, no, wait, come back Ooh. later gets grabbed and is used as a weapon against the guy's face. I'm not sure what happened to the octopus afterwards. That keeps me up at night. He could have been munched on the way down. Perhaps he had served his purpose and just went on his way. He did sloop back into the water. But uh, I don't know if I do know what I think from the gentleman's point of view, because I think 
first of all, after the initial shock is over and you didn't get an eye removed from a suction cup on a tentacle, there's going to be some self-reflection needed for sure. Why Why me? I think he knows. I think he I think knows he, he what he does or he doesn't for sure. It's like that seal in a past life. I think he knows. Oh, it's coming back to me from 300 years ago and four lifetimes ago. for this for a long this time. This is what I did. I did not quite picture that come, karma would come back in the form of a seal slapping me with the octopus, but I had it coming. So I think it fits perfectly into the old when you least expect it. Yeah. Expect it. Yeah. When you least expect it, a seal is about to bitch slap you with an octopus. That's pretty great. And it, it's definitely, it, it outranks the uh, the classic manta ray uh, kills woman when it swoops out and knocks her down onto the deck of her boat. Yeah. That's, and also that's sad. This water. It is, is sad. Funny. But once again, just one of those, ah, there's a million ways to go. Yeah, that's a creative one. And I when mean, it's your day, it's your day. I give you points for final destination creativity there. Holy smokes. No, I don't know. Uh, I would have to ponder that for some time, but you're right. He probably does know. Yeah, I Something think back like... then, this has been brewing, and the day was coming, and they got it on video, yeah. which was just delightful. That's the best part, absolutely. So genius video. I'll try to, uh, I'll try to link it in the episode notes, but I'm sure if you Google... Seal, seal slaps, slaps uh, uh, kayak with octopus. Yes, yeah, I that's going to come up. Probably safe, but uh, <laughs> okay. So there was that. Now another topic that's uh, of great and meaningful significance. No, actually, this one, you know, it doesn't. It's not just significant to the guy on the kayak, to the octopus, and to the seal. It's more significant, and we kind of danced around this before. We did talk about it, but it's one of those that I find. Can't talk about it enough because it affects the life of a lot of people, including people who are smart, who are nice, and yet tend to fall for a particularly bad habit. I've done it too at times, and it's fucking stupid, so it's worth addressing. One thing that drives me absolutely insane is seeing people who, as a MO, as just their way of being with friends, or even worse, in family, with their kids, or with their wife, husband, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, they take a snarky tone. They use kind of passive-aggressive humor, put-downs, uh, jokes, quote-unquote, ha-ha, we're joking, but they're always put-downs. Usually followed with, oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know I'm just kidding. Yeah. And no, like, you're not kidding. You're attacking and you're a dick. Yeah, and you're doing it under the guise. And even, okay, let's say that maybe it's not, that's not what you really think. I think you probably do when there's some passive-aggressive shit going on under the surface. But let's assume that you don't. Even more reason not to do it. Because the point is, I think is in relationships with your kids for sure. I think in romantic relationships as well, even in friendship to some degree, there's a point where you want to know that the other person's got your back. And if the other person is talking shit ha-ha for fun about you all the time, there's an element there where it's like, I kind of maybe know it, but I also kind of don't. You, you are sort of shooting yourself in the foot in terms of creating a relationship with trust, a relationship with love, a relationship where you actually like each other. I, like, I'm a big fan of, like, reinforcing the goodness of a relationship in every possible way, with words, with action, with sweet gestures, with... At the cost of being sappy, I like being sappy. 
I like being extra sweet. I, and I don't mean in a bullshit kind of way if I don't mean it, but like really put the accent on the stuff that I cherish, that I value, that make me happy. I like to tell my daughter, I like to tell Savannah, I like to tell people I love that I love them a lot, a lot of the time. I like to tell them why I like them. I like to compliment them. I like to let them know. Because the point being, there should be no doubt in your mind that I adore you, that I think you're awesome, that I really value the human being that you are. And then if that's established once in a long time, I can afford to make a joke that's like a tongue-in-cheek inside because it's understood. There's so, like, the proportion is there, like 99.9% love, adoration, and all good vibes. I can get away with a funny joke there. Totally cool, that's funny. If the proportion is 80% of the time I'm telling a ha-ha joke about how much you suck, uh, I don't think you have earned that. A, it's not funny when no. it's 80% of the time. And B, you are setting up a vibe where, I don't know, man. I don't see it going good places. And you could just take the air completely out of a room. I've, uh, I'm not thinking of perfect examples of what the guy was saying, but just sort of maybe he was being a little political and just fucking with people. But, uh, you know... Uh, you ladies don't deserve to get that kind of pay anyway. <laughs> just Oh, just kidding. Just terrible. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. not kidding when you say that. That is just some, some bullshit, or, in my opinion. Or you were telling me earlier a story about um, family. I don't know if you want to get into it, but family that you are familiar with talking to their daughter. In oh, a- oh, oh. Well, and just in a more amazing case, uh Somebody one of my kids had a relationship with, this was even beyond that. Um, the, the family would directly call the daughter Dogface. Right. In public. Yep. In front of people. Yep. And she's just forced there to take it. And unfortunately, she wasn't the most attractive thing in the world. So I think that had to make it worse. Of course. Of course. From your own parents, mother and grandmother, more than anybody. Yep. Like they were some, you know, this is your genes, ladies, and right. you're going to crush her like that? Let me tell you, that's just, it's some of the darkest stuff I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I think what you're referring to with the jokey guy that's always, you know, oh, just kidding. This was even levels beyond that. No, but even that is like, because joke is always ambiguous, right? It's kind of like, uh, or even like, for example, somebody asks you to do something. It's like, oh, can you help me with this thing? I'm having a hard time. I need to look for whatever the fuck, right? And the reaction is kind of like, come on, do it yourself. You know, that type of thing is like, yeah, that's fucked up, man. If somebody who loves you asks you for something. Get up and do it. Yeah. And if you can't, you say, sorry, but, and you explain why, and you show that. My foot's know. in a bear trap right now. Yeah, I can't quite get over there. That's fine, but... To just act like, oh, because that's how we play kind of thing. And like how we play is call each other names all the time. How we play is like, you do it. No, why do I have to get up? Why do I? Man, that's like really. And the funny thing is that I notice is that people that I don't doubt that they love each other. They do it to each other all the time, right? So to me, it's like you're poisoning the well where you're going to drink. You know, it's like that relationship that you're trying to cultivate by putting that shit in it, you're completely poisoning it. And it's just a matter of time till it's all going to come boiling out to the surface at once in a Vesuvian-level eruption. Yep, big time. Because I don't know, man. I don't get that. 
And I mean, there's a certain amount of joshing and messing around, but that, yeah, I don't. If it's being misunderstood, I would certainly hope it hasn't been. Yeah, and I think there's something about taking that snarky tone, taking that critical tone that sits back and points at how somebody else is wrong or stupid or whatever it is they're doing. That is not healthy for anybody, not only because you are putting the relationship on very shaky ground, but also for yourself to be the one that's putting the accent on all the stuff that doesn't work. What that means is that you're not focusing and paying attention on all the good stuff, on all the... And, you know, at the cost of sounding very, you know, the angry wolf and the peaceful one, the one you feed is the one that wins kind of thing, there is something to it where you put your attention will make a difference. If you try to see the good stuff, you'll keep seeing it more and more and more. If you focus only on the shitty stuff, guess what? That's what is going to be in your face all day long. And when you sprinkle that shit everywhere, shields are up at all times anyway. So it's yep. any of the message beyond it, just kidding, just shitting, just shitting. You don't even hear anything yep. anymore. It's just more mean stuff. So here is an exercise. Look at the relationship in your lives, whether if you do have kids with your kids, with your parents, with friends, with in relationships, in like romantic relationships. Look at how you communicate with them and if that passed the test or not in terms of is most of the communication focused on how happy you are around them? Is most of that vibe one of appreciation of love of wonder of like jesus christ i can't believe i'm this lucky to have in my life kind of thing or is most of the conversation sort of a little neutral slash cynical slash critical a how you communicate most importantly and also how they communicate with you because if somebody's doing that with you that's also not okay that's not also cool to stay in that and you know you can have a conversation because maybe it's just bad habits right maybe it's how you grew up maybe your parents did it around one another all the time and so you think that that's how relationships are and even though you love the person this is how you do it i don't know when i see it i don't even think if you endured that in your childhood to carry it forward the damage has definitely but shit, been done. shit happens, oh, right? Yeah. So if that's the case and you catch either yourself or the other person doing this stuff, have an honest conversation where it's like, hey, this shit is poison. Let's help each other stop doing this. So if I say it, call me on it, okay? And remind me, and I'm making it, because I'm asking you, if you call me on it, I'm going to make a point not to be defensive, okay? When you call me on it, it's going to be like, thank you for catching it. Yep, there I'll it is. I'll it in the bud right. now. Because the reality is you you can tell yourself you're not going to do it, but if it's a habit, you'll do it again. The key is not, will you ever do it again? Yes, you will do it again. The key is catching yourself in a way, or have somebody else catch you in a way that you don't react defensively or whipping yourself. Just going, there it is, nip it in the bud right now. And then the next time is like, you're right, I'm sorry, shouldn't have gone there, nip it in the bud. And if you do that enough, then that becomes a new habit. You know, if you, it's like anything, it's like, you know, lifting weights. If you put in the time and energy, you build a new habit. So you're not a slave to the previous habit, to how you grew up or how you ended up being this way. You can choose to be some other way and you do it by practice, really nothing else. And it's not going to happen in one second. You're going to keep fucking up for a while, but hopefully you fuck up less and less and less and less until it's barely an event once a year. And you're only slave to the rhythm. I have a little story. Tell. 
I uh, took a trip to Kentucky yes. to go see my alma mater play in the University of Kentucky. Right. And it was a great fun game. It went back and forth. Um, oddly enough, I found myself, both teams are blue. It's the uh, MTSU Blue Raiders and Kentucky is also mm-hmm. blue. Wildcat, same color, same Dodger blue. So I was deeply ensconced, like close to the field in my uh, blue Dodger shirt, rooting for the other team in the middle of this giant crowd. Oops. And... Because the only thing I would ever say is go blue, nobody really knew who I was rooting for, even though I was clearly rooting for the other team of in the middle of everybody. So it was quite delightful. didn't quite go our way. But in this visit to deep red Kentucky, yep. home of uh, very intolerant marijuana laws, right? the type that would put chills into folks that live out in sunny California and are free to be who they want to be. Yep. We went to see a drag show. Okay. Exactly. Drag show in rural Kentucky. This I have to see. Wow. Because here, it's nothing. Of course. San Francisco is definitely nothing. Or even LA. I don't think anybody, I'm sure most folks, I don't know, maybe most folks have it, but we've been to several before. And usually there's a couple up there that you cannot tell what that person actually is. And it's astounding and incredible. This was quite a different event. I'm sure. First of all, the, the, the building it was in was where the slaves were held before they were auctioned on the square next to it. I mean, okay. this is old, cheerful. Well, and that's sort of, you know, I, I found that out later. And to see what they were doing with the space, you know, 150 yeah. years later, it was sort of amazing that now this was an empowering place okay. where people were... yeah. But the thought of these kids, a lot of them, you know, from a few counties away, they would sneak off and secretly do this because their families could not possibly of course, know. Of course. I was inspired. The bravery yeah. to get up on that stage where at any moment someone, you know, Skeeter's mama would be like, there he is, I told you. Wow. It was pretty powerful. It's intense, man. I mean, it's one thing to do it here yeah, or in yeah, Vegas yeah. or New York or anything like that. Ah. This was like yeah, you can get hanged. Some defiance right. going on yeah, there, most definitely. And uh, I don't know. I was I was pretty impressed. Fascinating Kentucky experience. Yeah, well, if you're gonna go, you might as well go all the way. They do have a little bit of good bourbon there too. Uh, they uh, that's what I hear. Holy smokes! Anyway, that was my bluegrass experience, and uh, so ends the rant. Sweet. <laughs> Time to reach deep inside the digital mailbag. I have my uh, I have my anti heat resistant because I can't think of the word <laughs> asbestos gloves, and I'm gonna reach in and pull out it. Oh, here it is, hot off the presses. It's Mr. Mike Allen. Mike asks something regarding Nietzsche. So let's check it out about good old Nietzsche, the subject of our happy Nietzsche T-shirt and uh, brilliant philosopher in so many ways. He asked, uh, you know, recommendation to get into Nietzsche's books for a first-timer without previous Nietzsche exposure. What's the one to go for? Now, this is... If I recall, it's not the easiest read in the world. No, it's not. By any stretch of the imagination. And the quotes that are great are a bit few and far between. Well, here is the problem with good old Nietzsche. Is that, one, there's a problem of translation. That the stuff that I've read in English, for the most part, sucks. You read, like, King James Bible... It's done with this very 
ultra archaic language it loses okay let me explain it i guess my moment when i really got into nietzsche i read a translation from german into italian of course nietzsche was writing in german so i have no idea what the original looked like but the italian translation that i read was genius was brilliant he hits all the good points so in that translation there was so much material that was amazing when i read the same passages in english um, you know, most of the English translations I've read, they are King James Bible style or King James Bible light. The, I haven't seen translation that really click with me in a way that I'm like, this is amazing. I find translation and I'm like, okay, this is tolerable. And But I don't know if I was to read them for the first time, would I dig it? Or I'm just digging it because I know what I read it as, and I can kind of get where they are going with this translation. To me, it just never, never grabbed me for at you. all. It's sort of like reading H.P. Lovecraft books. Very thick and hard to get through, and big ideas in there, and, you know, building of yeah. strange worlds. But, man, when the prose gets long. The one that did it for me was uh, Das spoke Zarathustra. Yes, that's, that's the, the one. one. Absolutely. Everything else, there's genius stuff in a lot of his other stuff. You know, there's a bunch of his other books are brilliant. But that's more of a fishing expedition in a lot of the other books where you find some jewels and then you get lost in two pages of stuff that I could do without. And then there's some other jewels. Das spoke Zarathustra, especially the beginning, the first part one, it's in four parts. Like the first couple of parts are just straight up genius. But again, I hesitate a little bit because I don't know, like I've done it recently, maybe a few months ago, I remember there was a passage from Nietzsche that I love so much and I wanted to post it on Facebook. And so I dig up a Nietzsche translation online and I'm like, okay, this sucks. So I dug up another one and I'm like, okay, this sucks too. And the third one, and I was like, okay, I got the picture. So I pulled out the Italian version. I started putting it, freely translating it into English. So, of course, this is not going to be faithful to the original Nietzsche's German. Who knows what that looks like? But what I got from it, and I put it in a language that was something else entirely, where now I can stand behind the passage and say, this is awesome. But it requires a lot of creative interpretation to do that when when you're looking at the English one and it's so bad. So I have a shitty advice, really, because what I would tell you is look at more than one translation. Uh, the beautiful thing today is that something like Nietzsche that is back from the 1800s, there are multiple translations out there and most of them are online. So you can pick a particularly good passage, read, uh, okay, there's one from, uh, let's take one. From uh, Das Spoke Zarathustra, there's this passage called Off Reading and Writing. I believe that's what it's called. Give me one second to verify. That's the sound of research, folks. <laughs> or I don't know if we keep it, but <laughs> is uh, sometimes it's translated off reading and writing, somebody about reading and writing, or just reading and writing. In any case. Uh, it's a chapter from Das Spoke Zarathustra. Read that one, which is only probably three or four pages at most. Read it in three or four translations. See which one of the translations hits the spot for you, if any of them. If none of them hit the spot, 
Okay, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> learn Italian and read the one that I read. Or learn that German. Was awesome. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it was uh, the Italian translator was a genius and made it better than the original. I have no idea. Well, somebody dug it for some reason. I mean, so yeah. it survived. But the English ones, though, is uh, my best advice would be, like reading and writing is a brilliant passage. It's super well written. There are some great quotes in there. Check it where out. the God is dead stuff comes from? Um, I don't believe so. Let me see if, like, let, let's take a look, for example. Okay, so start with the first sentence that is one of the ones that I've quoted. Ten I actually started uh, not afraid with this quote. Right at the open, there was this, uh, of all that is written, I only love what a man has written with his blood. Um, but then again, like, for example, in one of these is, I love only what a person F with a TH. Uh, it's like, come on, man. There's some. Of, there's a lot of thou. There's a lot of things in this. That is like, dude, why are you making it extra archaic? There's no need to make it sound like King James Bible. But like that one right there, of all that is written, I only love what somebody has written with their blood. That's holy shit. I can't think of too many sentences that I like more than that one. No, you when know? you got that, you could just quit. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you're done. He's like, you're already the greatest. It's, uh, and he goes on, um, there are quite a few passages in there that are absolutely brilliant. There's, uh, some are funny too. Like you say, in the mountains, the shortest way is from peak to peak. But for that route, you must have long legs. <laughs> <laughs> sentences should be peaks. And uh, those that you speak to need to be big and tall, <laughs> which is brilliant. Uh, there's, uh, there's so much good stuff. Let me see if I find something else in this one. Oh, there's a brilliant one that says, who among you can at the same time be... Uh, it sounds like he's saying be high, not literally be high as in stone, but like be deep, be high up in the mountains, have this act, and laugh at the same time. You know, he's kind of emphasizing this need, you know, being a fool laughing, eh, it's fun, but superficial. Being the deep guy who's brooding, eh, miserable life. Can you laugh and be deep at the same time? Can you have both going on? That I can build a philosophy on that. That See, genius right there. That's a cheerful notion, too. And that's not really what he's kind of remembered for. That's what I mean. You know, a lot of Nietzsche is like this. But you need to dig through it. You need to dig through some painfully bad translations. You need to dig through some parts where Nietzsche does get heavy. Um, where did the, I will believe in no God who does not dance? That's exactly in this passage. Toward the end of, of reading and writing, he goes... Uh, uh, I, I would only believe in a God that knows how to dance. Knows how to dance. Oh, they see that's and, uh, the same thing flipped anyway. And he says, What like, a great and, notion. And I'm kind of translating it as I go because I'm reading it right now and the translation is horrible. So I'm trying to switch words as I go. But let's say, When I saw my devil, my demon, I found him serious, profound, solemn. He was the spirit of gravity. Through him all things fall. Not by wrath, but by laughter do we kill this demon. Come and let's kill the spirit of gravity. I learn how to walk. Since then, I let myself run. I learn how to fly. Since then, I don't need pushing in order for, to move from spot to spot. Now I'm light. Now I can fly. Now I seal myself under myself. Now a, a god is dancing when I dance. This is a poet, man. This is brilliant. But, um, but yeah, what I would tell you is this is... Out of all of Zarathustra, this is one of my favorite chapters. There are a few others, but this is a great one. 
read it in three or four translations, see if any of them hit the spot. And if one of them does, then you know what to go for. There we have it. I say that's question answered. Yes, indeed. By the way, our Nietzsche t-shirts, we are out of a few sizes, so there may still be a few of them left, but you know, maybe you want to drop me a line if you plan on ordering them. Just FYI, because I hate when people order and then I have to tell them, I'm sorry, I don't have it. That sucks. music means one thing that's the end of another fine episode of the drunken dallas podcast savannah's awesome win a great episode to go with it i mean you guys are ready for for your holiday season yeah not a bad gig i think this is a good one i'm pretty happy right now so <laughs> uh since i'm happy let's say thank you to somebody uh, let's say thank you to the sweet folks who donated since we did this last time let the pottering begin thank you to Aaron Weisner, Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Samuel McNichol, and Ross Cranham. I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to take a while, guys. Cranham. Some, some proper botchering going on right yes, there. Yes, this is, you know, you got the special treatment. So, And all you have to do to join the list of the botchered is to press that donate key on the yep. Drunken Towers website. Join in, toss us a couple bucks. Buy us a, a gift or a drink for Christmas. Always appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. And of course, Amazon link, if you guys use it, it would be very sweet. Uh, whether for now, for Christmas, for life in general, that would be very nice. Um, Never Tap Gear with Savannah's awesome rash guards. What else? Oh, I, I haven't mentioned in a while our T-shirts. Of course, we still have. They are kind of running out, some of them. We are so-so on stock on some sizes and stuff. But um, we got the original logo, Dionysian Parade, Happy Nietzsche, and uh, EQ, some of the coolest T-shirts ever. For sure. Three out of the four are designed by Savannah, so an added bonus. Um, anything else we should mention? Uh, just quick, Daisy House, thanks for the theme song. Maybe the greatest theme song in all of podcasting. They have uh, music available on bandcamp.com slash Daisy House. Check them out. Buy a, just buy a record. 99 cents for a song. Um, they got a lot of different eclectic sort of stuff in there. So each record is kind of its own cool thing. And the holy trifecta, I guess, gets one last mention. Yes. Thank you to Datsusara, Onnit, and Short Design. You guys know the drill. Please check out their website, and if not for you, maybe you can make a got a gift for somebody. So that would be sweet. Well, when next we communicate, it's gonna be 2019. That's just I remember when thinking 2000 seemed far away. Right, Here we are almost 20 years into the next century. And uh, like we started this podcast in 2012. That's yeah. a long ass time. Isn't that crazy? Impressive. Well done, my brother. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. 
You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.